you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. worship the Lord for just a moment tonight. Thank you, Jesus. You are greater, Lord. You are wiser. You are stronger, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. I want to also take time to say thank you not only to this church, but to my pastor, to Pastor and Sister Jordan. I'm sorry if my pastor's better than others' pastors. But this man lives what he preaches. They both have given all to see God do something spectacular in Frankfurt. I know the reason that my family lives here is because my pastor lives here. And I'm thankful for what God has given this church. Amen. I'm thankful for my shepherd. Amen. I also want to take time to say thank you to the Lytles, our assistants. They're truly, I say it all the time, but there's somebody that me and my wife try to emulate uh, what we see. And, and, and with them, it is what you see is what you get. Uh, they're very honest. They're very caring and compassionate. And they're great second leaders to our pastor. They're uh, a second hander. I'm, I'm losing the word I'm thinking of, but just that help need almost. Just what our church, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a church. Aren't you thankful for our leaders today? And I know he's not here, but I love Pastor Dylan and Sister Kayla. I want to honor them tonight as well. I, You don't see it, but I get to go on some of these preacher forums. And when some preachers ask, who's the, the new evangelist that I haven't heard of that I have to have? And you see Dylan Jordan at the top of that list, first and foremost. And then you see the likes and you see the love. And it's like, that's not by accident. He said it best. I think he said it something to the effect of, Prayer has taken me where I could never go on my own, and it will be what takes me where I could never get. And so I'm thankful for what God has blessed us with. Our future is bright. Amen? Amen. I won't keep you standing tonight. You may be seated. I have a lengthy reading, and I have debated it, but I figured I'll just keep my preaching short and my reading long, all right? And... Uh, and I feel like it's it's that time of year where um, it's not my goal to uh, to rehash or to repeat, but I feel like God has led me in this direction a little bit. And so I want to title tonight, Silent and Holy. Silent and Holy. If you would turn in your Bibles to Luke, the second chapter. And I'm going to read.
read the whole thing. Is that all right? At least to verse 20. If there's more than that, that's where I quit copying. But we're going to read from 1 to 20. And it reads like this. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And they all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph went also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was while they were there, the days that were accomplished, that she should be delivered. That she should be delivered. I read that right. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you a good tiding of great joy, which, has, which shall be of all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as all the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Now let us go even unto Bethlehem, and see this man, this made known unto us. Uh, I'm sorry, see the things which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe laying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they said, they, they made it known, the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that which heard it, wondering, at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I also want to take your attention to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Seven more verses and I'll quit reading the scripture. Amen? All right, I like the silence. That's all right. That means you like the word of God. I'm okay with that. Chapter 1, verse 18 reads, Now the birth of Jesus was on the wise. And when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take thee, take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now all that was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sheep, did as the angel of the Lord hath bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. You're welcome to put your Bibles down. I feel like even in these most familiar scriptures, 
there's something that I gleaned from it that God has, has shown me. And I say that in respect and honoring knowing my, my goal tonight, Pastor, is to back up what I've heard for two weeks at least. And there's some messages that have resonated deeply with me on how we are to be and to get back to some of those old landmarks and, and, and places where our church has been that, that truly made us seem like we were in the joy of the Lord and, and we were just being shined upon and, and the prophecies that would come forth and, and my desires to get there. I might not be there yet. And I'm, I hope I never feel like I've made it and I've obtained all that I'm to obtain, but my goal is to push towards that mark. But in our minds, when we think of this season, every bit of it is a little too Hollywood. We tend to see a lean-to barn that's not covered well with some slats of wood, a little bit of hay, and the desert with snow everywhere. There's some star that happens to form out of nowhere, and it just touches the top of the barn. All while Mary and Joseph smile because birthing was so easy and they sit there as that babe just rests so comfortably in white cloth, laying in the perfect crib. We see three kings coming on camels all dripped in gold and just carrying all their presents. Camels eating hay next to the shepherd's lambs and Mary and Joe's donkeys just chilling out there and everybody's having a great time. The innkeepers just made a fresh batch of cookies and milk from one of the cows has now been harvested and we're just hiding it's time for snacks and holiday cheer Gabriel quietly playing a first Noel on the roof just as the heavenly host has finished up their wassail and almost time to open gifts what happened sometimes it goes so far south as to what really happened in scripture everything I read is the account of the birth of Jesus. And I'm fine singing the songs that aren't true. Like we three kings. Do you know how many kings there were? Me neither. But they had three gifts. And you would assume everyone came with a gift. And sometimes the Bible refers to them as magi, which is where we get the word magic. So it's like magicians and stuff of that nature. And and some believe they came from Syria and and that's what, when you look at the taxes, it's, it's not just a pretty little sight. Oh, this is the greatest example of how a birth should go. But it was different. And the biggest thing I notice about it, in an effort to not ruin everything I have to say, is the fact that sometimes we see that remnant of truth, but we don't clearly see what the night was all about. This was Mary and Joseph's night. Yes, the world gained a Savior, but it was truly their night to be in the will of God. There were shepherds in the field that were told of the birth. And the Bible says a heavenly host, it sang out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. It talked about the Magi or the wise men that came from the east. And historians have now said that it took them anywhere from 40 days to two years. One scripture reads where they were born in a stable, yet the other one talks of a house. But the truth is they had to go homeless for a period of time. And when they got their wits about them, then somebody comes and tells them, oh, by the way, King Herod's after your child. So now you get to flee to Egypt. This is a promise. 
this is what was supposed to happen. This was 400 years of silence, and, and everything's fallen into place. This is what Isaiah the prophet was, was talking about, you know, and the government's going to be upon his shoulders. He'll be wonderful. All this stuff, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, all those things. This, this was it. There are so many prophecies. I think it's close to 400 depicting the coming of Christ the first time. Thousands the second time, which is why we watch But everything was supposed to be perfect. And yet you know what I find is that Mary and Joseph gave birth alone. The scripture never says that the angels sang to Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. It says it found the shepherds. And it starts singing to them. Isn't this great? But when the promise was finally coming to pass, nobody was there. They weren't wanted. They were pushed to the side. I've heard it said that. That manger that they would lay Jesus in was was truly like a feeding trough. And, and it was probably the most prevalent place for things like E. coli to live. It's, it's like we just placed the entire weight of the world in bacteria filth. And yet all we think is that it's this perfect nativity scene. We see this amazing, everything's great. Everybody stands still and the shepherd hooks are just chilling out just perfect. But that's not what Christmas was. I mentioned it before last year, and I, I don't, I hesitate to always repeat myself. I never want to, but I think it's amazing to think of when Christmas really most likely happened, and they narrowed it down to believing a lot that, that believe it was somewhere time, sometime around September 11th. Last year, I remember telling you about the, the Levitical priest that was on duty during the conception, and during the time when the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, and, and that period and we could count backwards and find out that really December 25th was more of that day which makes it all the more cool to think that we celebrate on the day that was most likely a day of conceiving sometimes we don't know when to celebrate someone's promise or someone's victory but the hardest part is when they do it alone my pastor preached on worship and prayer. And he's talked about what have we lost. And I've lost some of those things in my life. It's not as free to worship. Now, listen, worship comes in a lot of different forms. Don't get me twisted. I, it's not that I don't pray. It's not that I don't worship. It's that sometimes and maybe I'm just stuck in my same way. Maybe I don't know how to push past this wall because, man, it just it's, it's too much right now. I just, I'm trying. So, so we find ourselves truly just maybe alone because we don't want to go out a little bit just to reach out and see if somebody else is here to help us through this spot. Thank God for Joseph. I don't know how Mary got through birthing that child. They don't, there's, there's rumor of a midwife. There's no real talk of one. To go through a process of everything that was supposed to happen in your life, and you did it alone. So let me ask you, church, what has God promised you? What is that thing in your life where you feel like if, if I was 100 years old and I feel like I've accomplished, how did God use me? What was it? What did I see where he promised me that he was going to save my children and, and bring back my prodigals? Or, or was it a promise to, to see my marriage get put back together or, or to watch my parents to find Christ? What was it that God has promised you? 
And some of us might not know that answer. We're just going to church. And I'm not knocking it, but don't you want to know what God has for you? The Bible says that you are a royal priesthood. I look at this church and I know I get off my notes and you'll have to forgive me. It might be the shortest message on record. But when I look at this city, I know of two or three rooms that carry as much power as what's in this room here. You are chosen to be in one of the most powerful rooms in the city. It's a room that holds God himself. And it's a room where he's going to give promise and give prophecy and give a future to you and to our church and to your life. And the question is, why do we have to see that come to pass alone? King Herod demanded, get back to your land. Be accounted. Joe just was the boyfriend trying to figure out what's going on with his girlfriend and he tried to put her away until God said, no, no, this is okay, this is mine, it's, you're fine, marry her. To where he could get things right, and so as a young man uh, and his bride, the Bible doesn't even mention a donkey on this part. Ninety miles they traveled. No wonder she got there and gave birth. Jesus might have been a little preemie a bit, you know, you don't know. A horse would have helped. <laughs> 90 miles. I Listen, my wife used to swell, and it was something fierce. God knows she did. She's laughing, otherwise I wouldn't even talk about it. I looked over there, and that's her fault. And I used to press on an arm or whatever, a lower leg or whatever, I'd press. And I'd move my hand, and I could just sit there and count. One, 1,000, two, and the swelling would just it'd sit there just to print. Could you imagine being a third trimester, nine months pregnant with the Savior of existence? And you're being told, my promise requires a 90-mile journey. They say four days walking at two and a half miles an hour, eight hours a day, four days. I, I don't like packing my lunch for work. There ain't no McDonald's. Or no Burger King or thank God for Culver's or maybe a Chick-fil-A if it comes in a Tipton. None of that stuff was close. You had to deal with it. Three months, nine months pregnant, third trimester, 90 miles, just to be where God said you're supposed to be. Sometimes a journey that you're on might not make sense. God knows when I look across this room, there are some that don't. But that doesn't mean God's not in control. That doesn't mean that that journey's not necessary to get you where you're supposed to go. It was a silent and a holy night. And so everything was perfect. And a 90-mile journey, just to be told there's no room, go sleep in the stable, just so prophecy could come and be fulfilled. And so they did that, and they said the journey would be about four days. And, and once they had the baby with no one around, the angel appeared and said, for, for Jesus' sake, because Herod's going to put all the male babies to death, leave. And so they fled. They went to Egypt. And that is it in the nativity scene. Thank God we didn't do that Sunday. No, no guest would have been like, this is fun. <laughs> we had great drummer boys. We had everything. 
and then the end scene is go to Egypt. And it picks up years later or whatever when he's going through his life. And it's amazing to think how we have dramatized and changed truly what happened. Your promise is going to cost you everything. Imagine their thought there. The whole time you had it, it seems as though you're going to be taken out at any moment. Or at least the promise would be taken from you and killed in front of your eyes. Yet Mary, the Bible says, found favor in God's eyes. God knew she's human. God knew this could get messed up, but he found favor with her. So when God finds favor with you, it doesn't matter what looks like might destroy you. Until God says it's done, it's not done. I hope somebody holds on at this time in this season. It's not time for us to give up. It's not time for us to give in. What's been promised to you is still going to come to pass. I don't know how far we are. I don't know how far we've walked, but God will do what he said he'll do. So let me set you straight. If you've been given promises, God has spoken over your life. You have favor. He prepares a way for you. When it's a silent night and you don't feel like anyone's checked on you, no one's been by to make sure that that labor's going okay, and, and it feels like nobody's saying, how's your miracle going? Hello? How's your husband dealing with those attacks at work? How's your family holding up? I know it's been stressful. How's your journey, Mary? Even though this might kill you in the process, how are you dealing with it? You see, God, maybe before anything else, knew that this night was going to be a silent night. Right before the miracle happened. Right before everything was born, because all of humanity tends to fear and worry. So maybe Mary and Joseph needed to be away from everyone just so that they could hold on to whatever hope was left. I hope that's not the case in the church. I think that's why he gave us a church so that we can lean on each other, that we can lift him up and and we can build a place for him to come and, and inhabit the praises of his people so we can do this together and it just isn't me and my wife going through it. It's not me and, and my kids. It's not me and you. It's, it's all of us. We can be together and watch God do the hardest things in our life together. And that happens when we pray together, and that happens when we worship together. I'm excited about the first of the year, and I'm not a fasting lover. I, my body's real, and it does not like fasting. But I'm thankful that I can join together and say, we're going to go through this little tough part together. All the shepherds, we're going to come along. We're going to be in this together. It might get a little ugly. It might get a little loud. It might not look like what you expect it to look like. But we're going to be in this together. We're going to hear the angels sing together. We're going to watch the birth of our Savior. We're going to see things come to pass together. Amen? Because that's the point of the church. We don't have to do this alone. So let me take this a step further. Because I think my pastor was getting to this point, even Sunday when we had so many guests, morning and night, I don't even know numbers, it doesn't matter, there were people here I didn't even know were here. (laughs) You just hear the story, it's like, well, which one was that? That's amazing, how awesome. But there should never be a point where a guest or a new convert or a new babe in Christ for any of us Freshly married, whatever the case might be, there hopefully is never a point where we just let them fend for themselves and let them have to go and find a manger and find a corner 
to see God come to pass. And that, that's the thing. We don't do it when they're getting the Holy Ghost or when they're baptized. You don't, you don't see it at this church where somebody just does it by themselves and they're halfway back. We're, we're there for that. But it makes me wonder, am I there after that? Who do I leave it up to to manage somebody new? Any of you uh, families out there ever have children? Those first three days, you can leave them alone for about 30 minutes by themselves. At least that's what it feels like. Morning, night, noon, they're there. Their pipes are working. And they love it. <laughs> Nothing that feels better to a newborn than just a scream. And it's like, what's wrong? And, and as the husband, it's like, I can do literally nothing. Change a diaper. But I still have purpose. I still need to be there for an infant. Otherwise, the baby will never make it if it wasn't for the parents. So when I see this church, it's, it's, it's more than just, well, so-and-so's got them in a Bible study. We're good. Uh, so-and-so's got them in a, in a change group. We're, we're fine. We're okay. They're, they're taken care of. But, but where am I in the mix of all this? How am I? Do I just show up when everything's hunky-dory and say, hey, man, I heard the angels singing. Pretty cool. Glad we had Jesus. I hope and pray to God that I'm in the manger somewhere. If I'm not a, a seen part, at least, man, it's, I'm so glad you're here. We're going to get through this together. I'm so glad you're a part of this. I'm so glad you come to church because God's going to do something great in your life. And it's, it, it, if I might even just teach for just a moment, I, I know I'm, I'm all over the place a little bit tonight, but if, if I could just share some, some helping hands, it, it matters when I go to pray for somebody that I can feel what they're going through. Them labor pains almost need to be on me when I see them just laid, crushed, melted over relationship issues or, or financial issues or, or feeling like all is lost or that first moment when they might feel God. Or the first time somebody that's not been to church in years, a, a soul that might have left years ago when they come back and, and they feel Jesus just forgive and they're overwhelmed and the tears begin to roll. Where am I and am I so out of touch that I'm just slapping hands and hoping they fall out? Or am I wearing that grief with them saying, okay, let me put on my bibs. Let me figure this out. Let me get sterile and let's go to war together. Let me see this come to pass. Let me see a promise come forth like God has said in our lives. I don't know about you, church, but that stirs strong in me. I need to be here for, for new ones as well as for ones that have been here for years that go through the same battle day after day and week after week. It matters that we're the church triumphant. It matters that we're still unified enough that when we see something that it might not be what you're into for the night, oh, I don't really want to go pray for them. I don't want to get worked up. They're jumping. God knows I work hard. ladders anymore and deals with roofs <laughs> as Ethan holds up a broken hand blessing the Lord but through all of it doesn't matter what I've been through man I might not have the most energy I get that but that's not my excuse that might be why I look different than the rest but it's still up to me to be a part of what God is doing shouldn't be a, a, a game fest where we're trying to figure out hey you come and pray for him 
hey, you come and pray for them. All of a sudden, it's Oprah Winfrey. That should never be the case. It should be a sea of people that say we're sensitive enough. Maybe I won't lay hands on everybody. Maybe I, I, I'm not, I don't understand that enough. I'm not telling you to step out of, of what God has shown you or what you've been trained through ministry or leadership or anything like that. We've had enough chaos. But there's times where somebody goes through it alone. And if God shows you, man, no one's praying with them. It, it's, it's up to me at that moment not to say, wow, look at the church. None of you jerks are going to go pray with me. He showed you. So then it becomes up to me. Set the base down. Man, what if they get done praying before I get there? Then they do. I'll ask if I can pray with them. But God showed me something with them. Doesn't mean we sit and waller together. There's times where we might stand up and ask God to use us and, and to change if we don't just sit in misery or any of that stuff. And there's moments for that. And, and, and we have to be sensitive enough to know the difference. And then there has to be some background players that, that really are just the shepherds or the animals around just chilling out where we are just praying with a hand on the back. Saying, God, do, do what you're doing, Lord. You know, I thank you for leading so-and-so. God, thank you for using this person. And, Lord, help us. And, and, and that should be the church. And if I'm wrong, I pray my pastor straightens me up on this. But that's what I feel like I'm missing. I don't know about you, but... When I feel like I go through trial alone or I see God use us and use me or use my wife, and sometimes it does feel lonely. It feels like, man, nobody celebrated with us. Hello? It matters that we celebrate victory. It matters that we don't just leave somebody new after three weeks. I understand how the church, we, we love people. We love you enough, your family after three weeks. But some of us really treat them like family. We won't talk to you again for 20 years. It should never be like that. We're the church. This world is looking for fathers and mothers that will help us grow. Help us be that living sacrifice. New souls are really only interested in authentic, caring people that they consider family. I want it to be said of me, Brandon Joseph might be a little inadequate. He needs work, but Brandon found favor in God's eyes. I don't know about you. I want to find favor in his eyes. Stand with me as the music comes. This journey might be hard. The process might hurt. No one else might even know what's happening, but don't let go. Brandon, whatever you do, don't let go. It might be a silent night. It might be a holy night. But your promise is coming forth. I hope you see that tonight, church. You see, when you pray for others, it doesn't mean that God no longer concerns himself with you. But he moves you to the top of the list in a lot of ways. Because the Bible says that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So when I stop making my prayers every time I hit an altar about me but about others, and there's authenticity about my, my, my mindset and what I'm trying to do, first few times it might be with that in mind because a lot of us have that sticker on our head what's in it for me we want to know when's God going to bless me when's he going to take care of this problem that's been here for so long and God's just hoping I, I feel it so strong that he's just waiting for you to say when are you going to be about others that's been our theme pastor 12 months of others there's times we've lost the vision of that and I speak to myself. There's times I lose vision of others.
I wonder why God doesn't bless, why God doesn't move, why doesn't he give me this and give me that, and all of a sudden I'm just some first world problem Christian. When he's just waiting for me to say, I gave you a vision, it's others. It's about others. I don't think you realize sometimes that in 2022, the year of our Lord, you don't have a fever. You're in one of the top two or three rooms in the entire city. You're in your right mind. You found favor in the eyes of God. You're here to think that you don't have his favor would be wrong. You made it to this place, a place that preaches Acts 2 and 38, a place that you've probably done those steps of repenting and being baptized and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And most of us have had children, as I look across here, that we've walked them through the same steps. Your favor. Well, my health's not right. I get it. My finance, I get it. Not everything's perfect. You're still in your journey. But God's not done with you. God's not done with the promise he gave you. God's not done with what he's going to bring through and, and to pass through you. Jesus had this revealed to him the hardest when I think of a silent and a holy night. This is what rang true to me when I feel God move on me and talk to me. Because now he's 30-something, facing a sure death to fulfill the will of God. And he's praying in a garden. And our play showed it so perfectly when we stood up the cross and as he'd pray in that garden, he'd say, Lord, let this cup pass from me. And nevertheless, not as I will, but as thine be done. And, and the Bible describes it as sweating as of great drops of blood. And he was there with his friends, right? But they were sleeping. I pray God doesn't let me miss someone's Gethsemane hour someone's birthday night because it was too much to just be there with them. It was too much to just pray with them. It was too much to fast for them. It was too much to see them in a hospital room. It was too much. Imagine Jesus about to give his life fulfilling everything. Walking up to your friends and saying, can you not just stay awake for an hour? know about you tonight, but I pray that if God doesn't want silent nights, that I'm not silent on your night, that I'm not silent or you're not silent when I need somebody to speak to my life, to encourage me. Let's not be silent. Let's decide right now, not everybody's going to get it. We're missing two-thirds of the church. I understand that. But at least us as a core, if we could bind together and say, we're not going to be silent anymore. We're going to worship when it doesn't make sense. We're going to pray when it doesn't feel like we should pray. So when God begins to birth things, hopefully I'm not in the field saying, what's going on? Why is this host singing? But I'm right there watching God do what he does best. I hope when he calls somebody to a crucifixion that I'm there praying and I'm not falling asleep. 
feel that's the will of God. I pray, close your eyes with me. Lord, work on us. God, move on us, Lord Jesus. You've heard the words even my pastor spoke. Lord, where we've been a church, God, that has given up on worship, a church that seems to have walked away from prayer, God. Help us, I pray. Lord, don't let me be silent. You haven't called me to be silent. God, don't let me be silent. Lord, when my neighbor needs a touch from you, Jesus, don't let me stay silent. Lord, but use me, God. I open these altars. If you want to find a place to pray, I know it's Wednesday, but do something different. When you're in labor, you got to get up and walk sometimes when nobody else is walking. Sometimes you got to go down a hall by yourself just to try to get comfort as God brings something to pass. Oh, God, use us, Lord. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. For some of you waiting, why don't you come pray with someone? Why don't we come tell them you're on the final road? We're here together. God, use us. one. 